0: Hello, and welcome to Cross Point Church's podcast. We are here to reveal God in everyday ways that help people like you. Whether you are a Christian or not, we believe that God is not far from any one of us and he wants to be found. You don't have to look a certain way or have it all together to become one of us. We don't have it all together either. But we do have hope in the one who does. Jesus loved everyone, no matter who they were or what they had done. We want to be just like that. If you want to connect with us, just stay after the message, and we'll tell you how.
1: That should be the end of the service, right? I mean, be honest. Um, I know what some of you are worried about, length of of talking here. So I promise you, I will be short. I get it. I I feel what you feel. It's time to go. (laughs) Um, So... I, the reason I want to say something is because I think this is really cool um, in the Bible. The, the book of First Samuel, we're, we're going through uh, this, this thing where we're preaching through the Bible. So we're in one of the Old Testament books right now called First Samuel, and we started it last week. And today, uh, just something real brief again out of this book that I think um, will bless you. And, and, and it's the part, I don't know if you've ever read First Samuel, but it's the, it's the part, let me back up a little bit. So Hannah, Hannah is Samuel's mom. We meet her in chapter 1. She has no children, and it's, it's really sad. She, she has not only that um she, Someone else is giving her grief because she doesn't have children. So anyway, she goes to pray, and she, she asks God for a child. She prays seriously for a child, and God blesses her. Well, while she's praying, she says, God, if you give me a child, I'm going to give him right back to you. And, and literally, she, she meant like not like what just happened here, but I'm going to literally give him back to you. I'm going to bring him back to the tabernacle, their place of worship, and I'm going to leave him there. And that's what she does. A, like after the child is weaned, and she's blessed with this child. She gets pregnant. She's blessed with this child. And the child's weaned. She brings him right back to the tabernacle. And she leaves him there. And, um, you know, we, we don't have too many details about that whole thing, right? We know there's Eli, the, the chief priest. And then there's his two sons. They're there. And they're, like, sowing their wild oats. And Eli, he's old. And, like, who raises this child? We, we, we don't have that insight. But evidently there's somebody behind the scenes, Taking care of this child and raising this child and teaching this child about the Lord, okay? So I think the first important thing to note from this story is, again, you parents who have dedicated your children, do not leave them here today <laughs> after this. Take them with you, okay? And, and even down the road, don't bring them here and leave them. Take them. That's a true grandparent speaking, just, just so you know. Uh, so anyway... Um, Samuel is there. He, he's, he's there. He lives there. And uh, one night, this crazy thing happened. Okay, I'll read from you, uh, to you from the Bible. Meanwhile the, the boy, uh, meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli, the, the chief priest. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. And suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel, yes? Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and he ran to Eli. "Uh, Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. And then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized It was the Lord who was calling the boy, so he said to Samuel, go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel replied, speak, for your servant is listening. It's such a cool story in relation to what we've talked about today. Like, this is the first time that Samuel heard the voice of the Lord. And I'm like, that's the goal, isn't it, parents? I mean, isn't that the goal? Like, to get your kids to that point where they come to realize the Lord is, the Lord is calling me. And I need to say yes to him and surrender to him. You know, so there's, that's actually a good picture of what we call the second birth, right? You, you might know it as being reborn. You know, us evangelicals, you know, that, like, people say that's what we say. We, we, we talk about being reborn are born again. We're a bunch of born agains. Well, the, the, you know, the Bible supports this. That's not just us coming up with something. There's a such thing as a natural birth when you have your children naturally or with, with much pain in the hospital. And, uh, and then there's this birth where you come to know God and, and you come to know his son Jesus that's brought about by the Holy Spirit. Jesus says this to Nicodemus in the New Testament. He says, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see. You can't perceive the kingdom of God. So something has to happen. He goes on to talk about how the spirit brings this work about in a person's heart. Samuel is being reborn, if you will. And this is the day that matters most. This is it. I mean, you know, we, we trifle over petty things, don't we? I mean, and one petty thing is this life, in one sense, right? It's a relative pettiness. I mean, this life can be big and bad and troublesome, no doubt, and there, there can be a lot of pain in this life. But in light of the length of this life 60, 70, 80 years, maybe 90, my dad's 87. Knocking on the door of 90, he looks at me and says, "I've got no pain," and I I say, "I don't like you." I, I, I have no category for 87-year-olds that don't have any pain. But I mean, really, when you think about eternity and and where we're trying to get, like this is this is nothing. It's a drop in the bucket. It really is. And so. The day that we come to know Jesus, the day when we have our second birth or we're born again, that is the most important day because that's the start of your journey to eternity. And and parents, that's what you're trying to accomplish. That is the number one goal in everything you do in your entire life. That's the number one goal. Get them to Jesus and nurture that relationship the best you can thereafter. Um, so, parents, let me say this: What's the, like? What's the most important thing for you to achieve? That prioritize. Like, what, what's what's most important? You know, uh, Stephen Covey. Maybe you've read the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, right? He gives the that quadrant, the four the four quadrants, that grid. And it's all about time management. And that number one quadrant is urgent and important. And certainly there's some things that, you know, that fit into that quadrant. And you should live in keeping with that. As well as the other quadrants. Well, guess where this one goes. Quadrant one. Urgent and important. Urgent and important. And it's something you should consider every day. Make it a priority. And then proclaim truth. Like, lead your children into truth, the gospel message that's, that's represented in the Bible, a, a biblical worldview, Like the, the Bible has a worldview. Like how do you view your world, in other words, and, and how do you make decisions in your world is in keeping with the parameters that we get from the Bible or the guidelines that we get from the Bible. How should, it, how, how should you interpret things? Well, the Bible sets, sets the pattern. Teach your children the Bible. And then proclaim truth by the way you live. Like actions are louder than, right? And, and they're going to know you by how you live. Like you can say one thing and live a different way. And it's going to take everything you said and just trash it. Be an example and then pray. I thought sometimes I have when I'm praying for my kids or I'm praying for my grandkids. I think, is there anybody else praying for this particular child? Or am I the only one? Now, they have relatives that might be praying for them, or it might come to some of your minds to pray for my kids on occasion. But let's get real. I'm the primary one in that battle. Like, I'm the one that prays for them. And you better believe I'm going to pray for them because we know there truly is a battle. And the battle has to be fought on our knees not only pray for them, but teach them to pray. Teach them to pray. Pray with them, pray for them, teach them to pray. Now, in an ideal world, parents, you have, you have support around you. And one big support group is grandparents. Okay? So what are grandparents supposed to do? Babysit. Babysit. I mean, if you're you're not a grandparent yet, you will find out what you're expected to do at a certain point, and that's give some space to the parents, because they're with these little things all the time, and they need some relief, and so you'll get a call one day, you know, once they get past that overprotective stage, you know, and they kind of get to that point, like, okay, let's take them over there to those two that don't really know what they're doing. I've had enough, and so... So that's when you come into the picture, grandparents. Let me tell you, let me just say this. Two of the most influential people in my entire life were my dad's parents. Godly people. And I have to be careful. I'll get, I'll get emotional <laughs> when I start thinking about them. I used to think about one of the things, one of the visions I have is my grandparents, we would stay with them. My, both my parents worked, so we would stay with them when we weren't in school and and. Every morning, I used to like, come on, please. I got things to do. Don't make me sit here while you pray. And, and they would. My, me and my sister, we'd have to sit on the couch while they prayed for 30 minutes. You know, that was my perspective. But now, as an adult looking back, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, that I had praying grandparents that, that made me sit down and watch them or listen to them I don't think they were intentional really I I just think they wanted us still while they prayed and we benefited we benefited my grandparents were people of faith and hope and and they had peace their home was a peaceful one you want to know why because they got a 30,000 foot perspective right like they're not like parents parents all pent up but grandparents are peaceful at least they should be. And, and trust me, n- not only do the, parent, or do the parents need relief from the kids, the kids need relief from the parents. Because all that tension, like they feel it, they sense it, and they're like, let me go to grandma and grandpa's <laughs> for a while. <laughs> Sometimes they don't want to leave. They want to live with us. I'm like, no, no. So there's a line we're not crossing that line, not today. Grandparents, you just, listen, sometimes we have to step into a place of calling. And that's been important for me. Like, like I don't get it. There's been times in my life when I didn't get it, you know. And then one day I wake up and go, I'm a grandparent. I'm like those two that I admire and love and think about and thank God for. Now, I got to be that. I got to step into that role and be that. Grandparents, step up and do it. You have an awesome opportunity to bless your grandkids and be a light to them. And then brothers and sisters, like, what are brothers and sisters for? (laughs) Right? I mean, but why does it have to be that way? Like it's almost like as parents, you either get lucky or you don't, right? You either get lucky in that you got kids that don't fight each other, or you don't get lucky and they just fight all the time. Right? I, I don't I don't know how that I, I don't know how that works. I don't know if that's genetic or what goes on there, but listen, I don't like it, right? I like and I would fight against it if I had kids that were like that. My kids were too far apart for it to be a, a real issue. But I thought, I thought brothers and sisters, according to Proverbs 17, 17, they're, they're born for adversity. I love this verse. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Not to be adversarial, but for like to help you in hard times. That's what brothers and sisters are for. I call my sisters up on occasion, and, and I just, I got one sister that's a year and a half younger than me and one that's eight years younger than me. And so me and my sister, we grew up, you know, together we were all, all the time, my closest sister. My youngest sister, she told me one day, she said, you know what, I adored you. I'm like, I understand. <laughs> she said, I, you, you were like, you were just incredible to me. And she said, then she said this, but you didn't even know I existed. And I'm like, that's exactly right. I didn't. I, I mean, I remember meeting her at age 22. I'm like, who, did you, we're you in our family? Like, and, and so that's unfortunate, right? But now, you know, I'm like, what is my role here? What, what should I do? I call up my sisters on a regular basis just to encourage them. Just, just to turn their attention away from whatever's happening in their world to what is to come, right? So I, I, try to be, I try to be faith to them. I try to be hope to them. I try to show them love and just encourage them along this path of life. What is your role as a brother or sister in your family? Now, um, I could talk about aunts and uncles, but I'll, I'll let it be there. I think there's a calling for aunts and uncles too. But um, think about this, okay? This, like, we're, we're you know, this, this whole thing, like, we're called the family of God. So that means we have relational ties with each other similar to what I was talking about in that whole physical realm. Like, in fact, the Bible speaks in terms of our family ties as being stronger, really, than physical family ties. (laughs) And more important, more significant, we all have a responsibility in raising up the next generation. So often we think only about our generation. We think only about me and what's going on in my world. But we're responsible for the next generation as well. So please commit. Ask God to help you be a part of that Whatever that means for you. So we're going to close now. See, you didn't think I could do it. <laughs> um, so that's, that's the end. And um, it's, it's been a beautiful service. I'm glad you were here today and I'm glad you came. Once again, if you want to come join us every week at 10 o'clock, please, please do so. We'd love to have you. Um, but we're going to sing one final song, and then we're going to dismiss you. So let me pray, and then Andrew's going to come. <clears throat> Father, I pray for every person here in keeping with the word that we talked about today. Lord, the ultimate goal <laughs> is to get to you, I'd like to meet you now, and ultimately one day after this life is over, see you face to face. Father, if there's anyone here that's never entrusted their life to you, we know from what we've, we, we're taught in Scripture that it's as simple as saying, Dear God, I recognize that I'm a sinner and I need you, and I, I just come to you and I surrender myself to you. I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me, and, and I want to follow you. I, I want to put my trust in you because you're the source of salvation I want you to be my savior. If there's anybody here that needs to pray that prayer, I pray that they would do it, like right now, in their hearts, before you. Or, or maybe you're considering. Someone here is considering saying that prayer. May you lead them to talk to me or someone else here, one of the other leaders that they saw up in front today, and uh, and and we can have that conversation, Father. So do your do your quiet work, Lord, in the hearts of of everyone here. There's others who have, have other kinds of needs going on in their lives. I pray that you would provide for them. But ultimately, Father, we pray that you would help us raise these children that we focused on today. Help all these parents, grandparents, siblings, uh, aunts and uncles, whoever whoever is related to these children. Help, help each one to see their calling. And help us as a church to see our calling, Father, to support one another and raise up the next generation for your name's sake. In Christ's name, amen. Hey,
0: thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were encouraged, and we'd like to personally invite you to attend one of our services here at Cross Point Church. We meet every Sunday at 11,000 West Oklahoma Avenue in the great city of West Dallas. Our people are warm and welcoming, and we're all learning what it means to follow Jesus together. You can learn more about us at crosspointwestallis.com. Where you'll find more episodes of our podcast. You can watch past services on our YouTube channel, and we'll live stream every Sunday at 10 a.m. Until then, thank you for listening to Cross Point Church.